Hi, I'm Reverend Carol Saunders, host of The Spiritual Forum. I'm here with a lot of interesting people who are consciously walking the spiritual path, experiencing and expressing the divine in unique ways and through unique lenses. Everyone here has wisdom to share and an interesting story to tell, all to inspire you on your spiritual path. Welcome to The Forum. Welcome, everyone, to The Spiritual Forum. I'm so glad you're here. I've been traveling. I've been away for weeks. I was at the Parliament of the World Religions for a week, tabling with my spiritual vegan friends. And then I went to Denver for the Podcast Movement Convention and learned just so much there about how to up my game on this podcast. And I'll be taking some steps over the next year or so. One of the things I'm resisting is monetizing it. I am just holding to the vision that there are other ways to sustain a message like mine, which is one of hope, inspiration, and awakening, that there's other ways to do it other than having interruptions by advertisements. So it's definitely an option. I've learned what I can do, but I'm hoping that we can sustain ourselves in another way. So in that vein, if you feel moved in any way and you want to keep this podcast going, I'd appreciate it if you go to thespiritualform.org and make a donation, large or small. It doesn't matter. It's really about energy. It's really about you know receiving energy and giving energy and kind of being in that flow. So I, I appreciate everybody who has donated so far. Um, also, if you are on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, please leave a rating review and subscribe on YouTube. I'm on YouTube now too. Uh, last thing I want to say is don't forget my retreat, October retreat. It's only six weeks away. And that is a retreat on the whole planet spirituality. And it'll be in Kansas City. And you can learn more about that at the spiritualform.org slash retreat. All right, let me introduce my guest. My guest is Serena Faith Masterson. Raised in a satanic cult and subjected from infancy to covert mind control experiments aimed at splitting her identity, Serena Faith Masterson developed over 300 unique personalities in her courageous fight to stay sane and alive. In her remarkable and inspiring memoir, I Am Serena, she authentically shares her 35-year journey to heal and integrate into the whole person that she is today. She did this by connecting to her authentic self under the guidance of Norma Delaney, a woman who committed over 20 years to helping Serena heal. Today, Serena mentors individuals worldwide who want to set themselves free from their trauma. She shows them how to differentiate between their soul voice and their mind's voice. Now, that is something that every single one of us is yearning for. I know that because I get, as a minister, I got that feedback more than anything. How do I listen to the voice of spirit versus my own ego voice? Serena believes she's not a victim, but the creator of everything she endured because she chose before she was born to wake up to the game of fear. We're going to have a great conversation today. Welcome, Serena. Oh, thank you so much, Carol. I'm so pleased to be here. <laughs> I am too. I'm glad we made this work. We, I, I, I contacted you after reading your book. I'm like, there is so much in this book. And there's such a huge message. So we're going to do this in two parts. And today we're going to kind of focus on your story, your healing, um, your spiritual life, and, and, and that a magnificent 
transformation from all of these personalities into one amazing whole person. And our next one will be more about the game of fear and the victimhood that's going on in the world and how we can take this message into the world and heal ourselves and, and, and the world. And, and I'm sure both, both of our sessions will intersect in different ways, but that's generally how we're going to be, um, be dividing them up. But so let's start by you telling me, all of us who are listening, your spiritual story we have agreed that we're not going to go into the details of some of the, the torment and the trauma that you experienced as a child. So that's an agreement up front. But we're really interested in knowing how you got to where you are today. And um, I, I just want to say to listeners that I did read Serena's book. I read it word for word. I tried to skip ahead. And it just didn't work for me because I kept wondering, how did she get there? So I had to go back. And it's just a story that even though most of us have not experienced the level of trauma that she did and the level of healing that she has done, it is a roadmap for each of us. And it's an amazing way that she has expressed how to become whole and claim all those lost parts of ourselves and each one of us have it. So thank you so much for your book. And now I'll turn it over to you, Serena, to tell us your story. Well, thank you, Carol. You know, the thing that is so important for me to share with everyone is that when we get born and we come into a physical body and we come through the veil of forgetfulness, we forget that we're the, this divine human being. We experience ourselves as a body with a mind. And that was me, except I experienced myself as a mind and spirit. <laughs> and so my book has been called a love story. It's been called a textbook. Things that I could never have imagined as people have read my story and honored me. So I was born into a family genealogy of satanic cult, and my father was the head of it. My grandfather had been the head of it before him. The CIA approached him before I was even born and asked if he would contract his firstborn child to their mind control program that they had created in 1953 called MKUltra. And my father said, sure, great idea. So they were intent on joining two modalities of mind control to find out if they could control a human being completely through the mind. So I was born in April of 1955. And at three days old, when I came home from the hospital, my journey of torture training began. It affected every single thing that a human being takes for granted. For instance, the connection with a mother or being fed, being warm, being held. Everything was reversed for me. I was cold. I was not fed. I was left alone for hours. And so began my journey of being energy that was not interested in coming into a physical body. So I have vivid memory at two months old of lying in my crib and the moonlight is coming through the window, through the leaves, 
of a bush outside the window. And as the leaves rustle and move, and I'm watching as this baby at two months old, I energetically move out to the movement and find that the wall is so comfortable energetically versus my hungry, cold little body. I had already been moving out from three days old into my father, who was a lot more warm based upon the rage that he carried constantly. And so this was some of the unconscious training that I was experiencing early on. I was trained not to move my arms or my legs in infancy. And so I began to identify as eyeballs watching and mind. So the neurotransmitters in my brain were set up to support this experience of multiplicity. So when you said I had 300 unique personalities, what that means is I had 327 very distinct individual human beings living inside this body and outside the body that switched in to do a job and then switched back out so that the body could move forward effortlessly to stay alive and sane. That was the brilliance of the soul. It is not the mind that created my multiplicity. It was the soul brilliance. You see, my intent to come into the darkest dark on this planet in 1955 was to stay alive and stay sane and stay healthy, which is phenomenal based upon what I went through. I died 15 times this lifetime. That is incomprehensible for people to realize. My soul every time chose that I would live. And she did whatever it was that she had to do to do that. As I speak this, I am always filled with a sense of wonder, of awe, of gratitude. You know, I had memory that I died at two and a half years old and that my brain and my spinal cord became separated. And she put me into a coma and she literally weaved my brain stem and my spinal cord back together again. And I was in a coma for over five days as she did this work. And many times through this journey of my healing in the last 37 years, she has shown me that I have been like Lazarus. And so I was shown that story in the Bible because I was there. I was one of Yeshua's disciples because I've done past life work as well in this lifetime. And I was shown the dynamics, the way that it actually happened, where Yeshua brought Lazarus back into his body for healing. And it was amazing. That is how I have come back into life. But my soul brilliance knew that she needed to split each energetic, traumatic event into one or multiple aspects of energy. So when I do a workshop with people and I teach them about the profound wisdom that they truly are, and I invite them to come in and do the breath practice that I learned from Norma Delaney, I teach them that there is an element of such brilliance that they have forgotten who they are. And so the brilliant wisdom took all of these pieces 
and began to create this huge system of operation that I lived in seamlessly for 30-some years until 1986, when I had already been in AA for years, didn't know why I was so disrupted, filled with pain. I was a single parent of three boys, struggling every day to cope, looking at these boys and going, what do I do? Not knowing that in truth, I was three years old emotionally and mentally. So no wonder I had such a hard time raising these children. And so I went to my first therapist and he said to me, do you think you could have been molested sexually? And I looked at him, I go, no. But the brilliance that I was drove home and said, you know, God, if this is true, I'm willing to see it. And I began to have flashes, flashes, so devastating that it brought me to my knees in pain. And all I was dealing with was reality that my father had sexually molested me, nothing more. And so that went on for two years and I worked with this first therapist. And then I started to have memories of men in black hooded robes and going, oh my God, I just must be so desperate for attention that I'm going to make anything up. (laughs) And so that was the dissociation. You see, I had no awareness that I lost time, that I had no awareness of what one day felt like, that I was so many multiple parts, none. That was the beauty, the magnificence. And so I began this journey in psychotherapy that lasted 10 years. And one day, my blessed sister, who's 14 months younger with the knee, who was going through the training to become a therapist, would call me and say, now, I don't want you to contaminate my memory. I just want you to listen, Serena. Just say yes or no. And I would listen. I go, yeah, yeah, I've had that memory. No, I haven't had that one. Just very detached. Thought it was all a bunch of bunk. Okay. And one day she shared a memory that I was three and she was two. And I was just slammed into the memory. And I was in the memory and I was looking around and it was like the glass had shattered, the dissociation had melted and it was real. And I stopped her and I go, wait, wait, the fireplace is here. There's five men, there's dad, there's blah, blah, blah. And she's like, yes, yes, yes. And that began my journey of the dissociation authentically beginning to tiny, tiny, tiny drip and melt. I spiraled down so so much that I was diagnosed a multiple personality. I went to seven different therapists, doctors, and they all said, do you know what multiple personality disorder is? And I said, yes, and I don't have it. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't ask my, my wisdom, is that true? (laughs) But the eighth therapist said, well, you do. He broke the rules and he told me right up front. He said, I've watched you switch at least seven times. And I left that meeting and I sat in my car and I said, God, if this is true, let me know. And instantaneously, Candy was sitting on the front seat next to me. She's 14 or 15 years old, skinny as a beanpole with blonde curly hair and blue eyes. And she said, hi, I'm Candy. And I knew that it was part of the multiplicity I just sensed the truth of that. 
And so a few months later, totally wrecked, hardly able to function, I went into a hospital to get fixed a 28 days program, thinking that will get me on track, because in truth, I didn't believe I was a multiple. And I ended up being in the hospital for eight straight months, lost my three sons to foster care, and that began the next step of my journey of awakening. During this process, I was in and out of the hospital for the next four and a half years, totally destabilized with constant memories, new memories coming up, memories of the government and everything else. And all it was was just no, 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 I can't be, I can't be struggling to survive. I knew by that time of Robbie and Daniel and Charlotte and Roberta and all these other people, but I experienced them as separate people. I had no connection that they were in the body. And I began to feel hopeless, so deeply hopeless that I was never going to get my boys out of foster care because everything was driven toward, I must get them out of foster care. And I began to hear this quiet, still voice say, there's something more. There's something more. And I went, okay, what's the more? And within a month, I was meeting Norma Delaney. Mm. I had my first appointment with her in March of 1996. And I'll never forget her opening the door and me looking at her. The radiance that she emanated, the compassion that she was. And she smiled at me and she said, come on in. And we went into the living room and she invited me to sit next to her on the couch. And I was like, oh no. And I sat on the floor with my back on the wall, against the wall and proceeded to switch probably 20, 30, 40 times. I have no idea. As I say that, my whole body is filled with such gratitude. She and I had come together for our soul contract had been for she and I to connect so she could bring me out of the bowels of hell. She had no idea what it meant to work with a multiple personality, but she trusted this infinite, brilliant wisdom that radiated through her. And we began this profound journey. And that is what my book is about. This love affair of this woman standing in my presence day in and day out, 24 hours a day, speaking to me as many times as I needed to, holding a space of such compassion and brilliance that she literally reached her hand down into the darkness of my insanity, my pain, and pulled me out. I just want to pause for a minute because I want to unpack what you said. And then, I mean, there's so much in what you just said, and then we can kind of move on. I um, First, I, I want to comment on your, your referring to, yeah, I know there's so much in that. To I'm just so grateful. I'm just so grateful to her for her love for me. Yes. Yeah. It is a love story. And I really do want to talk about Norma and who she was and what and what she did. because uh, she was an angel. And and you're an angel. And um but, but for the people who are listening, I, I want to pull out a few ideas of what you said because I don't want it to get lost on people. You, I, I think a lot of people think that multiple personality disorder or dissociative identity disorder is some sort of bad thing, some sort of illness, something wrong. 
And the way you describe it is it's some amazing strategy that your soul had for you. And I mean, that's the first time I had heard that. I I love the idea. I I love how you refer to soul brilliance. Like my soul is so brilliant. It protected me in these amazing ways. And it created these multiple worlds so that I could um, live, so that I could survive, so that my body could go on and, and end up ultimately doing the healing work that you did that was so phenomenal. So I just want everyone who's listening to kind of get that, that our souls are that brilliant. Can I add something? So Mm -hmm. when I teach workshops, when I work with my clients, I invite them. And so I'll invite all of you that are listening to close your eyes and imagine yourself at three years old. You are bursting with joy, running through the house, shouting at the top of your lungs as a sweet, innocent child. And you run by your mother and she grabs you and she says, oh my God, just be quiet for five minutes. And that little child that you are (gasps) inhales in shock, steps out of the body. And in that moment, an aspect of personality is created. Now, that aspect, if it happens infrequently throughout your life growing up, is deposited. That energetic vibrational package sits in your body, doesn't really cause you too much, you know, problem. But if you have that kind of reactive parent who isn't there emotionally, mentally for you as that little child growing up, you begin to step out of the body and pretend. You see no one on this planet gets to get a free pass out of pain, out of heartache, out of fear. A child at three does not know mature from a place of maturity that their parent is having a rough day a rough moment they take it in and believe it's their fault so everybody has this soul brilliance everybody has parts you hear people say well a part of me really wants to do this but a part of me is afraid that is multiplicity in a very minimal scale so As a person, when we are dealing as multiple parts, we're conflicted, then we don't get to choose from a place of empowerment, joy, and peace. So this that my book is about, anyone can use for this breath practice is powerful. It's just that because my trauma was so severe, my soul knew She had to really wrap it in multiple layers of this dissociative energy so that I could keep staying alive. Does that make sense? It it really does. And I think it also answers why there are times when when we're reactive. We we rarely see our own reactivity, actually. Let's just say we we see somebody else, our boss, our spouse, our child, or whatever, being reactive. (laughs) And and we we say you're you're acting like a two year old or grow up, and and they're they're coming from that place. They're coming from that that's that is a two year old self or a seven year old self or a sixteen year old self or whatever that is that is reacting in that way. And so I I completely agree. All of us have these kind of broken places where where we we have these selves 
And our job is really to integrate them as, as you have laid out so wonderfully in your book. The other couple of points that I want to just pull out of your original um, story, one is, is that when you had the memories that you, you didn't believe them. And, and I think that's, you know, it's like, no, that can't be true. That can't be true. Because we do want to love our mommy and daddy. And we do want to think that Uncle Joe only loved us. And, you know, we, we it, it's, it's the wonderful heart of a child that just wants to think everything was was good. And even if a lot was good, you've said before, we, we all have our pain, we all have our trauma. And while some people do choose to just dwell in all of those spaces of the past, others just completely discard them. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. And, and so that I think that's something that I want to point out to my listeners. And then then the other the, then what you said is it's like your prayer was, if this is true, I think I wrote this down. If this is true, I'm yeah. willing to face it. If I, is that what you said? If I'm willing, if this is true, I'm willing to face show it. Show me the truth. I yes. said, show me the truth. Yes. Yeah. That is. Because I knew something was not right because here I am every single day in pain, physical, mental, and emotional. So I knew something wasn't connected. So it was like, show me the truth. Show me the truth. So for me, and I am so grateful for this, because when I was in the hospital, those eight straight months, there was all these other multiples, and they hated God. They hated spirituality. They hated all that. You see, that was not my journey. I was always so available to Jesus, to God, to that energetic space of awareness. But my soul contract, that I had created beforehand always honored this unique journey. People, my boss yesterday, I told, it's funny yesterday, I have a new boss and I showed him my book, gave it to him, told him about my journey. And he was just like in shock. He's my son's youngest, my youngest son's age. And he goes, but how did you remember all these memories? Cause I remember three days old. I remember a week old. I remember very faintly being born even. So uh, it's interesting. And I said, because that was the intent of my soul to have photographic memory. So when Norma would say, now sense, where does this come from? I would close my eyes and literally energetic list just dropped to a file cabinet. And I would go through the file cabinet and pull the file, the manila folder out, open it and out would come the memory. That's how dissociative I was. Mm. But that was the brilliance of my soul. I always want, I'm so passionate to share with people, you don't get how brilliant you are. You don't get how limit unlimited you are. You know, when I was in church, because my father took us to church, because in this in the 50s and 60s, It was, you must fit in and look like everybody else. So he took me to an Episcopal church. And here I am at five years old, and the priest is saying, and Jesus said, do not look to me, for you can do this and more. And those two sentences radiated through my little five-year-old body, and I knew that that was what my life was about. That knowingness was separate than everything else. I had no connected awareness of why, but I knew I was to be more than what Yeshua 
even was saying he was or demonstrating who he was. Now, that is not said from ego, because you see, Yeshua, Jesus, I call him Yeshua, said the kingdom of God dwells within you. Well, we all, you know, including me, always believed, okay, the kingdom of God was heaven and heaven's up there in the sky. And no, the kingdom of God is down in the core of you below your belly button. And this breath practice that Norma taught me is the miracle of breath. It brings you down deep, deep below the belly button, assuring the body you're safe. It's okay. It begins to connect you to your soul, to the wisdom, the knowingness outside of the mind. It is a reality, a vibration, an experience that allows you to begin to step out of the reactive response of the two-year-old, the five-year-old, the seven-year-old, and begin to notice, either visually, emotionally, whatever, intuitively, oh, look, there's this wounded part of me. Can I breathe this child home because I love her, because I love him? It truly is falling in love with oneself. That is the love affair that matters. Yes, and in your book, I remember that um, Norma, uh, we can kind of pivot to her, I suppose, but Norma would would say, you get to choose. I, the kinds of things she would say, you yeah. get to choose, and you, you need to be honest. Is that honest? And she was always kind of challenging you about the, the mind versus the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get to that, I, the, the other thing I want to point out in your beginning story is I was really struck that your motivation to do this healing work, your motivation was love. Your motivation was love for your sons. Your motivation oh, yeah. was, I'm going to get those boys back. And I, mm-hmm. I thought that was so interesting. I had wondered if you would be would have been able to no complete your absolutely journey absolutely not i would yeah. not know i am very clear for me and i it's funny i was working with one of my clients yesterday and i said i want you to hear this i want you to feel how proud you are of you you are doing this work without any motivation of a child or any other reason but because you want to help you no my level of self hatred of self Losing of wanting to die, kill myself was humongous. So, if I didn't have these three little boys that I loved so hugely, and you know, I loved them the only way I knew from a base of fear, but I did love them and I was gonna get them out of foster care, whatever. And so, my soul, in her brilliant wisdom, allowed me to come together in a semblance of enough stability that in 1998, the court said, oh, good, you're pretty integrated. You can have your kids back. Little did I know, because remember in my book in 98 of November, after they went, they left my home and they went on their journey, then my soul said, now you can live your life somewhat comfortably or If you choose to delve into this even more deeply, it will be worse than anything you can imagine. So, no, I would never have done this work if I had not had that carrot of 
my three boys. I love them. Yeah. So I wonder about, you've talked about your soul contract with Norma and, well, let's talk about your soul contract because I'm wondering if your boys were in there too. No, um, they all came to me before I gave birth to them and they all chose to ride on the tail experience of what I had done and chosen. Okay. And they all had a different reason for their connect connecting to me. Okay. Okay. So, but my soul contract was with Norma and two other people. Okay. And I, was your father one of those people? No, no. My mother was. Okay. My birth do you, mother. Do you have any sense of who your father was in all this? As he just has his own soul thing he's doing. He has his own soul thing. Okay. He was, he was the head of a satanic cult multi-generational family satanic cult he was in high school with my mother my birth mother and saw her as the perfect victim that he could marry Mm -hmm. and bring into the cult without her rebelliousness which was exactly but my mother was the one that chose to keep me alive no matter what Mm -hmm. okay and is your mother still alive no, she passed okay. in 2013. Okay. And Norma? But I had let her go in 1994. Okay. Norma died in September of 2020 on the 9th, which is in two days. It'll be three years. Oh, gosh. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, why don't we talk a little bit about um, Norma and the whole healing process? Because I saw her as... I mean, she's definitely an angel in terms of here I am and and being so willing to carry you through 20 years of her life. And, you know, there were times when you lived with her and her husband, when they moved to Colorado, they took you with them. And she, when when your soul gave you this option of you can live a fairly normal life, you know, fairly different, uh, undifferentiated normal life now, or go into the the valley of the shadow of death, let me literally, uh, Norma was there to take you through all of that. And at the same time, what I was so struck with was not just her her love, which at times was tough love, <laughs> which at times seemed to be a little, a little tough. Uh, it took a lot of uh, resilience. Um, the other thing that just really struck me about her is uh, that she didn't have a, a any kind of book, any kind of anything in front of her saying, this is what to do. She relied on her intuition in the same way that she guided you to learn how to rely on your soul, your in, intuition, your inner divine self. And I think that's just so cool. So why don't we talk a little bit about Norma And I know you got a little emotional before just thinking about what she did for you. This woman was already an awakened soul when she came into this lifetime for the most part. Um, Her commitment to me was the reason she was born, period. She She had gotten married more than once, lost her husband. She was a multimillionaire, lost all that money with her husband. He died of a massive heart attack. She ended up on the island of Kauai. And Kuan Yin, the goddess of compassion, came to her 
and told her that she wanted to teach her how to breathe. So you see, Norma was already with me, but Kuan Yin and Yeshua and many other light beings were walking with us every single day. So even in the darkest dark, I was with Kuan Yin and Yeshua. So was she. So she began to learn this breath, this conscious, compassionate breath. It is a breath that says, I will sit in the presence of whatever occurs in my life, whatever has occurred in my life, from a place of non-judgment, of compassion beyond what the human understands compassion to be. And she began this journey with Kuan Yin that was profound. When she began to work with me in 1996, she realized that she no longer could channel Kuan Yin. That in order to do the work with me, because she was working with multiple clients at that point, that she had to become the embodiment of Kuan Yin. What does that mean? It means that she and Kuan Yin became one in physical form. Kuan Yin's commitment to this planet, to all of humankind, is I will stay connected to this planet. I will not fully cross over. I will stay until every human being knows what compassion is. So she and Norma became one in physical form. She no longer channeled the wisdom, but became the wisdom. She knew how to help me. I also had the ability to allow my soul to come forward into the front of the body as a separate conscious awareness. So my soul would work with her and say, okay, now we need to wrap Serena in a blanket so that we can move all these infants into the front of the body so that we can integrate them. When I say I died 15 times, I am not exaggerating. The first time I died was when I was two months old. They electrocuted me too much. So this journey began this dance. And I often imagine it like the ice skaters that are partners that flow across the ice. They are so in sync that there is no, nothing that's out of step. It was the most profound experience. You know, when she and Garrett brought me to Colorado and they found the little house that I still live in, been here for 22 years, she would come every day. She would talk to me seven and eight times a day. Bless Garrett. He honored her work with me. I was a very difficult person for him because I was filled with unmitigating terror and fear pretty much all the time. I switched constantly. You know, one day he, she got off the phone with me and he just looked at her and he goes, how can you repeat the same thing over and over and over again? Oh my God, Norma. And she just looked at him and smiled and she said, but I was talking to Fred. He didn't know what I was telling him. <laughs> and of course, she told me these stories years later when I was much more grounded and more who of I who I am today. She kept those things to herself. But you know, in 2007, she said, I need to talk to your soul. And I said, okay. And I moved out of the way. And she looked at my soul and she said, I'm really tired. Now, this was nine years in. We had another 11 years to go. And my soul looked at her and smiled and said, I understand, but we are no near anywhere close to being done. 
And Namak said, okay. And she said, soul, Kwanyan, fill me with what I need to do this work with Serena. You see, this is the key. When she would work with me and she'd say, you have to face this truth in order to integrate this part. You cannot hold on to the rage, cannot hold on to the judgment. And all I felt was rage and judgment. I would say, soul, fill me with the compassion. Let me look through your glasses at this experience. Let me feel the truth. You see, Norma, day by day, moment by moment, painstakingly taught me, this is feeling, Serena. Don't go to here. Breathe. Be with me in this moment. What are you feeling? People don't get that simple thing, the perseverance, the commitment on both our parts to get me to even just feel. What did that feel like? I'd say to her, well, I didn't have any pain. And she'd say, yes, you did. Your body hurt terribly. That was the truth. So over and over, breath by breath, moment by moment, she taught me, this is truth. This is a lie. Robbie and you are one. You live in the same body. And I'd go, huh? I didn't experience it like that. Can you even grasp the level of dissociation that she had to work with? Every day she heard me and everybody going, nope. No, 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 no. <laughs> I think somewhere in your book, you use. I think somewhere in your book, you say something like, you know, imagine being in an auditorium with 327 t- people, <laughs> and, yeah, and they all have it, a different it, view it, of things. It's like, and, and you've got to bring them all together. It's like that's that. Okay, I get it. That that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work, and they don't they don't necessarily are, are aware of each other. Yes, every person being so distinctly different, body types, genders monsters, a toggle bolt, an ant, a bug. Yeah. You know, I mean, all types of energetic personalities. And we had all learned that to survive, we had to fight because we had to fight to breathe. We had to fight to eat. We had to fight to move. We had to fight for everything. And so Norma, day in and day out, was meeting this boom, boom, boom. So the only way that I could come out of the bowels of hell was in that very first meeting. And from that time on, she began to give me her energy of light and take in the darkness. You see, part of her commitment to me was to manifest death in her body, to experience death, cancer, so that I could see her wither away, but her eyes still sparkled. Her love for me was still there. For you see, I had experienced death so abhorrently from the time I was an infant in the cult and in the government that her part of her commitment was to show me death. So she died on September 9th, 2020. It was the most profound experience for her on September 8th. I was sitting on the couch sobbing. She was in a coma by now. She lived in California. I still lived in Colorado. But we connected every day, multiple times a day, because we loved each other so. And I said, what am I so upset about? And I asked the question out loud so I could hear it, which I have found to be a very powerful tool. 
And I said, I will not see her sparkling brown eyes. I will not hear her voice. I will never touch her hand again or hold her body. And I let me sob with that truth. And I sat in the grief of that reality as I breathed. And then I heard the words, Hmm. Will you let me go? Yeah. And I said, yes, mom, I will. Because it didn't matter that thousands of miles were between us. She and I still could speak. And I went to bed that night and I left my body and I went to her and I stroked her face and I kissed her and I thanked her. I said, it's okay now, mom, you can go. And she let go fully in that moment. Wow. Wow. That's really, yeah, that's amazing. I think that you and Norma have your own love story. You know, it's like, it's like your, your souls came and kind of completed each other. And it's, it's very, very beautiful. I, I just, I love the way you speak of her. I love the way she worked with you with (laughs) such steadfast commitment. I just don't know how many people are committed to anything, you know, that, that committed and, and can just keep, keep at it, not even knowing when is, when is the end of this? You know, we don't really know, but that really is what love is. You know, that's what love is. Love doesn't go, I got 10 minutes and I'll give it to you. It's something that's so, so vast and, and everlasting and has no boundaries. And that's, that's what I, I like to think the love of God is the love of, of our soul is our inner divine self. It's just so much bigger than can fit into what we understand in this 3D world. And, and she demonstrated it. Um, and, and, you know, I'd like for you to talk a little bit, I know we only have about 10 more minutes. So I'd like for you to talk about your soul agreement and what that contribution was for co- your, your healing, the contribution that you and Norma doing the healing work alongside with the other two souls in your soul agreement, what that has done for consciousness. Can you share that a little bit? Sure, sure. So when I met Norma, I was not aware of any of this soul contract stuff. I was in survival mode. I didn't realize how magnificent it was that we both met in Seattle, Washington at a cryon event, and yet we both lived in Southern California. People go, wow, isn't that lucky, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no. Mm -mm. You see, the soul, spirit, with spirit, anything is possible, okay? Anything is possible with spirit. I was deemed as being irreparable. I would never be repaired. I was broken. That's what the psychological community believed. So I had already lived over 300 lifetimes on this planet. I'd come from Lemuria. I had gotten so discouraged with the fact that even the lifetimes that I had lived as a shaman woman in an Indian society, I got lost. Even though I was one of Yeshua's disciples, I got lost. And so I said, I want to be born into the darkest dark so I can shake myself awake so that I can finally get that fear is not reality on the planet, that it is illusion, which I really didn't get at all on this side until the last few years. And Yeshua, Kuan Yin, Kathumi, St. Germain, the Brotherhood of Light, many of them said, the archangels, who I've been very close to, 
they're all like, well, we don't think you're going to be able to do that kind of a choice without getting lost in the darkness. So let's ask if some souls will be willing to support you in this journey. And so Norma's soul raised her hand. She goes, I'll help her come out of the bowels of hell. And then my birth mother raised her hand and she said, I will do whatever it takes to keep her alive. And then my dear friend in Portugal, Tanya Castillo, raised her hand and said, and I will finish whatever Norma can. So 19 years before I was born, Norma was born. 20 years before, no, 25 years before I was born, my birth mother was born. And then 19 years after I was born, Tanya was born. And so began this journey that I died so many times was such a living nightmare that the worst horror movie that you would ever go to was not even comparable to what I lived. And I lived it 24-7. And I believed I was alone, but I never was. This profound journey that my birth mother was willing to be born into a family of such chaos and cruelty that she was severely wounded so that her husband would pick her in high school so she would end up in the cult. It all had a perfection to it, that she would love me those first, that first year and cheat and hold me when my father wasn't around so that I would have some kind of semblance of touch, sneak and feed me at times when he wasn't around because he was a military officer in the Navy, to having my book serendipitously come out five months before Norma passed so that Tanya would read my book and contact me in June, three months before Norma passed, so that the connection would be made. So I began to share with Tanya and say, you know, I don't know why Norma's so sick. I don't know what's wrong with her. And begin this journey with Tanya so that she could help me come into the body in a way I'd never come into it before to integrate the dissociation that made it my body so vibrationally dense that it was flat like a piece of wood so I could survive all the trauma. So that was Tanya's commitment to me. So this dance of spirit that every single time I needed something, it was there, was honored. I say this because I hope all of the audience members can hear. When you choose such a phenomenal choice, you can discover the journey with your soul by intentionally saying, soul, will you be a part of my life? You see, the soul honors the human so completely <clears throat> that it will not force itself upon the human. It is the human that must invite the soul into consciousness, into the body more fully, into every moment of every day. And your healing itself is has an impact on consciousness. I, I think that when, oh, yeah. when you have your yeah. full healing, that, that also impacts the consciousness for all of the rest of us. So every thought, word, and deed creates whether it's conscious or unconscious. So in 2015, Yeshua came to Norma and I as we were working in her room in her house in, in Colorado, and he said, you two have broken 
the veil on man's unconsciousness. It will never, ever go back to where it has been. And I was like, what? You know, I mean, I was trudging through the mud, the daily grind of I get to choose. Will I choose my self-hatred? Will I choose dissociation? Or will I breathe in the presence of this agonizing pain? Enormous choice to show up moment by moment, breath by breath, whether it was 2 a.m. in the morning or 6 a.m. in the morning or 9 at night. She was always there. And he had told us this. Evidently, this that I had chosen was so huge that it sent waves of conscious awareness through everyone on the other side. So many people have chosen to be born at this time so that Heaven's Gate, which I had a direct influence on, which happened in March of 2023, opened the veil even more so that every baby that is being born now will have a deeper connection to the truth of who they are. They will not come in and experience the level of separateness that you and I have experienced. They will know, but they will have to continue to choose themselves. Will I choose to be the brilliant or will I live in duality and play the game of fear? Everybody gets to choose. I love that. I love that. Um, that what that your healing impacted consciousness in that profound way. And I believe that everybody who does the work on their wholeness and integrating their own self and, and, and making the choices for not living in fear, not living in rage, living in forgiveness and unconditional love and all of that, it's all impacting consciousness. It's all impacting what Absolutely. is awakening now in everywhere in the world. And we're kind of running out, out of time. And so we'll continue this in another hour. And I just appreciate your being so open and authentic. Your whole story is about being authentic and choosing the authentic path. And it's a great roadmap for all of us. But I want to just give you a, a 30 seconds, a minute or so to say whatever you might not have said. You probably want to direct people to your website and your work. And then we'll close. Yes. So the biggest, biggest message that I want to get out there is anyone can have massive shifts if they're willing to breathe this compassionate breath outside of judgment, outside of the mind. If you go to my website, iamserena.net, you can listen to my interviews. You can do 21 breathing sessions for free. You can purchase a session with me. I will work with you. I don't work for just an hour. I work for as long as the client needs. That creates a sense of safety for the individual. This way of living is so profound. It is a, a way of experience that is authentic. When you say, I'm real, I'm genuine. Oh, I am all the time. You know, to have my new boss sit in front of me and me just, oh, yeah, I used to have 327 personalities. Oh, yeah. And him just going, oh, my God, you know. And I had to help him yesterday because he got so out of his body that I showed him how to ground himself immediately mm -hmm. and bring himself back into his physical. And he's like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and then my friend going, aren't you afraid to tell him these things? I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not. 
you know, has everyone gotten the message? Absolutely not. No, people are disappointed that my book doesn't have any satanic cult memories in it. It's okay. (laughs) We don't need more of that. What is, what is your website? I am Serena.net. Okay, I am Serena.net, and we have so much more to explore. I'm really looking forward to talking another hour with you, Serena. And um, I I think the last thing I want to leave with people is I want to invite people to ask the question if this is true, I'm willing to face it, and or what something like that. I think it's a wonderful prayer because if you have any questions Mm -hmm. about your own life or what is reality, what is truth, what is not, ask that question of spirit. Show me the truth. Show me the truth. And I think you'd be very, very, very surprised and uh, that your how much your consciousness is willing to show you what is true. And that is what this whole awakening that we're in the midst of is all about. Because your soul knows everything, Carol. Your soul knows everything. It knows every moment that you have lived this lifetime, even if you don't remember it. Your soul right. does. Right. Your soul knows everything. So thank you, Serena. Thank you, listeners. And I'm going going to close the spiritual forum now, but we'll see you next week. Appreciate everybody joining us. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, you can let me know by leaving a positive rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Or make a tax-deductible donation at thespiritualforum.org. The Spiritual Forum is a podcast, prayer, and retreat ministry affiliated with Unity Worldwide Ministries. Thank you again for being a part of the Spiritual Forum community. And remember, you are an amazing, divine, and powerful being. Thank you.